up, everyone? Welcome to the same for the Sports History for January 28th, 2024. I'm your host, Jim Montgomery. Welcome to a Sunday edition, Conference Championship Sunday edition without the Eagles. More on that in a minute. But quick housekeeping note before we move on. Yesterday, we were talking about the 83 Phillies and the difference it would have made with Ryan Sandberg. And I wasn't sure who the second baseman was. And indeed, it was Joe Morgan. But that leads us into, as always, the recap of the question of the day. And yesterday it was, what is the worst trade in Phillies history? And with 54% of the vote, you guys all thought it was Ryan Sandberg, followed by the Von Hayes trade. Kind of thinking about this and just sort of the way those mid to late 80s went, I I think you could make a very compelling argument for the Ryan Sandberg trade. But to me, man, that Cliff Lee, if you had Cliff Lee with the way Roy Halladay was pitching that year in 2010, likely the Eagles would have, or the Phillies would have went back to the World Series for the third straight year. Um, So that might actually sway my vote just because I would have been alive to see it. I, I was alive in 83, but I was young, so I wouldn't have really remembered it. But I don't think, I mean, here we are talking about bad trades in Philly's history. I don't think you could go wrong with either one. Uh, but as always, thanks for participating in the question of the day. We'll have another one later in the show. 267-495-8531 gets you through on the voice and text line. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Jimbo underscore Mont. Let's get that up to over 100 subscribers to open up some more doors for the podcast. Again, I know you're you're watching because I can see it. So just hit the subscribe button. You won't be disappointed. Be sure if you're going to buy some Girl Scout cookies to hook up my girl Ella. Everything you need is in the description wherever you're watching or listening to this. Click the link and she gets credit for your Girl Scout cookie order. All right, Flyers limping into the All-Star break. Lost 6-2 to to Boston. I, I, I think if anything, that sort of... That game yesterday really just put into focus where the Flyers are versus the the elite teams in the East. Again, no no shame in a rebuilding year. Uh, They're currently third in the Metro Division, which would get them into the playoffs. But I I just don't necessarily think they're quite there yet. Five straight losses heading into the All-Star break. It was... Mark, our Hall of Fame day, Mark Recchi inducted into the Flyers Hall of Fame. Still holds the single season scoring record for the Flyers, but a much needed week off here for the Flyers heading into the All-Star break. And I do have to say, I mean, it's weird and it, not to get into it because we still have another week before the Ontario Police but a lot of this losing streak coincides with what's going on with Carter Hart. So I don't know if that may be a distraction for this team. But again, a much-needed week off for the Flyers heading into the All-Star break. Where as they come out, we're going to get a good sense on what they're going to do with the, the trade deadline. Whether they're going to go for it. Because they are currently four points up on the Islanders for the third. I guess the way the NHL does, top three in each division make the playoffs. And then there's two wild cards. Uh, in the conference, so you, you want to be in the top three in your division, but the Islanders are closing in on them fast. And again, maybe it might be better to not make the. Who knows with this team? But again, they're streaky, so they could come out of the All Star break and win five in a row. 
We'll see, but no Flyers for another week uh, as they get a much-needed break and hopefully can clear their minds mentally and, and get back on track once it's over. Sixers played very short-handed yesterday. No Joe, no Tyrese, no Tobias. But they, they, they hung in there against the, the Nuggets, losing 111-105. They just couldn't get it going. Fell apart in the fourth quarter. Uh, B-Ball Paul had 30-10, and 10, picked up the slack for Joe. They didn't get as many foul calls as they normally do with Joe in there, and that, I think, ultimately was the difference. Uh, the Jokic actually made, I think I read, 16, or he had just as many, I think it was 16, just as many free throws made as the Sixers had attempted or some crazy stat like that. So you can tell sort of where the, the, this team is without Joe. they got to work a little bit harder. Joe definitely caught some heat for not being in that game yesterday. He hasn't played in Denver in like five, six years. I mean, it was a, he was a last-minute scratch. I, I don't know if the fact that Tyrese and Tobias weren't playing factored into the Sixers' decision. The Sixers made it perfectly clear it was their decision. Whether or not there's something to Joe not wanting to play against Jokic in Denver, I don't know. Quite frankly, I don't care. I need Joe to be healthy for the playoffs. Uh, and if that means he doesn't hit the, the criteria for games played to, to qualify for MVP, if that means he needs to set out in Denver because of the altitude, honestly, I don't care. Just stay healthy for the playoffs. If your knee is swollen, if your knee is sore, rest it. We're, we're going to need you come April and May more so than what we're going to need you in January and February. That's just... But let me know what you think. I know some people feel very, very strongly about it. Uh, I saw a lot of, obviously the Denver fans gave it to him, but <clears throat> I saw some Philly fans calling him soft and things like that. So uh, as you're giving me your, your answer to the question of the day and your vent on the Eagles, because I'm sure there's going to be some, some talk about that, let me know what you think. Is Joe soft? Should he have played? Do you care? Um, I mean, it was still an entertaining game. I mean, I was I was watching. It was I was proud of Hal, and it was good to see the backups get that run. Pat Bev, Marcus Mars, uh, B-Ball Paul, all is going to be huge coming down the stretch when you're going to need them. And also, it's not a bad thing for their trade value as we're getting closer to the trade deadline to see where things are going to go. So I don't know. I, I it. it probably impacts the NBA more and the fans in Denver more than it would impact me. But I've been there where Joe's been a late minute scratch at home against the Bulls. So anyway, want to show your support for Joe? Go Philly Goat. Check out all the MB shirts they have. They have MBeast. They have the, the, I'm telling you, the NBA one with the Joe in the logo instead of Jerry West is one, probably one of my favorites. Buy some shoes to match, get the Spectrums, uh, and you'll be good to go. The Philly Goat, though, has you covered for all your Philly sports-based apparel needs. Go check them out. Use the promo code Jim Montgomery for 10% off your order at checkout. That's phillygoat.com. Use the promo code Jim Montgomery, all one word, at checkout for 10% off of your order. All right, so Eagles news. Uh, I guess we'll start with uh, I saw that Sean Desai has a couple interviews lined up, and we'll see how it ends up working out for him. Um, I, I don't know if, how much was on him, how much was on the players, but 
wish him the best of luck. It just was uh, with a team that had Super Bowl aspirations, bringing in guys with no experience probably wasn't the right move. But, hey, wish him and Brian Johnson all the best. Vic Fangio has officially been named the defensive coordinator. Again, I don't think it matters who the defensive coordinator is. They need to upgrade the secondary. They need to upgrade the linebackers. And if they don't, it quite quite honestly, it doesn't matter who the, the coordinator is. I do think Ringo, uh, hopefully Sidney Brown comes back a little bit more healthy um, after that knee injury. Maybe the knee injury will help kind of rein him in a little bit. Um Eli Ritz, Ricks, I mean, I think there you might be decent at cornerback, but they do need some help at safety. Um, and, and we would like to see another veteran not named James Bradbury and at corner as well. But, I mean, it's linebacker. I, I know there was an article they interviewed. Um, forget who they were interviewing. And they were saying, like, it does not matter who – this team is or what the coordinator is if they don't upgrade the linebacking position and it just i don't know i mean i know um i cannot think of his name right now the guy from georgia got hurt uh and they had a lot of expectation but he was not playing well while he was there so i mean it's what are you gonna do um and why can't i think of his name right now let me look it up because now that's going to bother me. Uh, but, uh, again, should not matter who the the coordinator is at this point if they don't have the players. There will be a new quarterback coach um, next year. They let the, um, the, the current one, they, they said without – they didn't necessarily officially fire him. Um, they said uh, Alex Tanney – Tannery, uh, they said he's free to pursue other options, which is a nice way. We don't want you back. But all of that being said, we have a new offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore. And I'm anxious to see what he brings in. Uh, Obviously, he's been a couple different places, worked with a couple different decent quarterbacks uh, in San Diego or uh, with the Chargers. He kind of worked it around and I mean the offense wasn't bad last year and then their defense was shaky but uh, with Herbert getting hurt that kind of uh, stifled some of the numbers he had but his big thing is going to be building around the weapons that the Eagles already have I think from an offensive standpoint they're good I still would like to see a better backup tight end maybe somebody they can get late in the draft to sort of groom under Goddard uh, we definitely are going to need some running backs. Whether I, I don't see Kellen Moore running the ball more. Uh, but, I mean, maybe with Kellen Moore and he had some some running backs in his career. He had Zeke with Dallas. Um, he had Eckler last year in San Diego. Or with the, They're always going to be the San Diego Chargers for me. Um, but uh, he had Austin Eckler out there. So maybe that might say, hey, let's bring back DeAndre Swift. I don't know, but ultimately, this is another one where after the way things played out last year, I think this is going to come down to Jalen and the players because whether for whatever reason they were making those those audibles and and changing up plays, so they need to buy in and and to borrow a line from the Sixers, trust the process that Kellen Moore has. 
Uh, and no matter who the coordinator is, Jalen needs to play better than he did last year. So much like the defense, it's going to come down to the players. I don't think they need a ton on offense, but they're going to need to sort of buy in and, and trust what Kellen Moore is going to do. <clears throat> so it's time to get to work. Welcome to Philly, Kellen. Talk to you uh, for OTAs. Uh, Cindy Brown, speaking of him, did have some uh, a successful knee surgery. No word on a timetable when he's going to come back. Uh, but they're definitely, certainly going to need him uh, with Vic Fangio. And Nicobe Dean was the guy I was thinking of, the linebacker that the Eagles are high on. But they're, either way, they're going to, he didn't play that well before he got hurt. So he's going to have to have a, a, a solid year, but they're still going to need somebody else. So we, we have our coordinators. It's time to fill out the coaching staffs, honestly, and get to work. Hopefully, from here on out, we don't hear much about the Eagles. They're they're in the lab, like fixing things or whatever it needs to be. Uh, but it, it is conference championship day, and we don't have our Eagles. Speaking of conferences, check out my boys over at the Clashing Conferences podcast. Doing a great job, even in the playoffs. That's available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. That also leads us to the question of the day. And just like last week, who are we rooting for today? Are you rooting for the Niners Ravens, Niners Chiefs, Chiefs Lions, Lions Ravens? Personally, I will be rooting for Baltimore and Detroit. Um, I, I really don't care for the AFC either way. Um so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sick of Kansas City being there, so I'll root for Baltimore. But definitely going all in on the Lions, take down the 40 Winers. But to let me know, who are you rooting for? 267-495-8531, get you in. Let me know who you're rooting for. What's your favorite storyline? Let me know what you think about Kellen Moore. Let me know what you think about Joe not playing in Denver. All of that's wide open on a conference championship with no Eagles on a Sunday. Get your thoughts, Philly sports venting out and in the open. Let's get it out today so we can hit the ground running and start fresh on Monday. 267-495-8531 gets you in. All right, today we are going to go back to 1974. And on this day in 1974, almost four years after the fight of the century, Philadelphia's owned Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali fought in Super Fight 2 which was the name that they gave that fight that just never really stuck. Um, at, but they fought up in Madison Square Garden. Muhammad Ali was looking to avenge the loss in the first fight, while Joe Frazier was looking to get back on track after dropping the title to George Foreman in a bout where George Foreman just dominated him. Ali, in the meantime, since the fight of the century, had split two fights with Ken Norton, two epic battles with Ken Norton. I think one of them is where... Uh, Ken Norton broke Ali's jaw. So since this was not a championship fight, it was only scheduled to go 12 rounds. And sometimes this fight, because it wasn't for the championship, is often overlooked in the Frazier-Muhammad Ali trilogy. But it was not without its controversy. And some people still say that this was one of the 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 most underrated fights in the, the trilogy. While there are some that say this fight had it happened in the first one would have set back boxing years to come because of how bad it was. So I, I guess it's just your, your thoughts. 
Uh, but Ali did win it by a unanimous decision. However, it was a close unanimous decision. Ali was uh, ripped for holding Joe Frazier for most of the fight. He was grabbing his back of his neck, grabbing his head, uh, initiated 133 clinches, really didn't get Joe a chance to uh, get into the groove. Now, the first fight, there's a ton of punches and it, like heavyweights back in the day, like they landed a lot of punches. Joe Frazier was one of the more, he would hit a lot of punches and he was pretty accurate. In this fight, Frazier, because of being held and probably frustrated, uh, his, I think he only hit like 40 some percent of his punches and like it was almost a third, maybe even half uh, or half, maybe even third of the punches landed in the first fight because Ali kept clinching it up but it was a good strategy as he was able to narrowly win a unanimous decision if that even makes sense like the fight was close on both cards um Frazier at one point did get helped by the bell uh or the referee thought he heard the bell and, and gave Frazier a couple seconds he was almost knocked out early in the fight but after this fight, Ali would go on to beat George Foreman to win the, the heavyweight title. Frazier would fight two fights more, and then they would f finish the trilogy. I'll get it out. It's a lot of uh, PH and F words coming here. But Ali and Frazier would fight for the championship in the Philippines for the Thriller in Manila. Uh, essentially, basically, that ended Joe Frazier's career, and my, neither fighter was the same after that. Uh, but on this day, 1974, up in Madison Square Garden, Philly's own Joe Frazier lost to Muhammad Ali in a controversial unanimous decision in which he did a lot of holding, a lot of grabbing his head, grabbing his neck. And I know if my dad is listening, he's going to disagree and say it was good strategy because he's a huge Ali fan. But we'll save that for the next time we have a conversation. All right. And finally today, our free agent who had a fresh start in Philly. We've talked a lot about players on this team. And we talked about him a few times over the year, uh, course of this year. Caldwell Jones signed with the Sixers in 1976 after the ABA-NBA merger. All of a sudden, the Sixers became a stacked team with Dr. J, Caldwell Jones, uh, leading the way and because of the guys that they had on that team uh, uh, what Bobby Jones was on that team the Sixers were pretty pretty loaded uh, and they didn't need him to score so he came in and they said uh, Gene Shue who was the coach of the Sixers said I need you to play defense and rebound and Caldwell Jones said aye aye sir and became a defensive and rebounding stud uh, again, immediately made an impact with Dr. J. They went to the NBA Finals in 1977, losing to the Trailblazers, Bill Walton's Trailblazers, four games to two after being up two games to none. All told, Caldwell Jones played six years in Philly, went to three NBA Finals, only averaged seven points, nine rebounds a game, but was a lockdown defender. He was all NBA defensive first team in 81 and 82. Unfortunately, was not able to stop Magic and Kareem of the Lakers team. And after that 82 Finals, was part of the trade with the Rockets that brought Moses Malone to Philly and ultimately put the Sixers over the hump. But today's free agent who had a fresh start after his career in the NBA, ABA 
was Caldwell Jones when he signed with the Sixers in 1976. Was part of three NBA Finals team. Unfortunately, was not able to get over the hump. But what did help in retrospect bring a championship to Philly because he was one of the key components of that Moses Malone trade. On this day in 1974, Frazier and Ali too happened. Ali beating Joe Frazier, evening up their their fights at one fight apiece. They would uh, fight in the rubber match in the Thriller in Manila later on in the 70s. But for now, it was one fight apiece. And just a quick little side fact with Joe Frazier, which I'm not sure if a lot of people know. The only two people he lost to, he only had four losses in his professional career. Two to Muhammad Ali, two to George Foreman. So, I mean, you take, I mean, I think there's something to be said about how dominant Joe Frazier was. And those three fights with Muhammad Ali were just battles. So it wasn't like he was getting dominated by um, Ali. Frazier on the other, or Foreman on the other hand, kind of beat him up. But there's your bonus Philly boxing fact of the day. Be sure to let me know who you're rooting for this uh, today. 267-495-8531 and any other Philly sports vents. There's a lot to vent about. Flyers, Sixers, Eagles. Want to get ready for spring training with the Phillies? Let me know what's up with that. Buy your Girl Scout cookies from Ella. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go to Philly Goat. Get those shoes. I'm telling you, the shoes, man. Is it the shoes? Yes, it's the shoes. Go check out the shoes at Philly Goat. Use the promo code Jim Montgomery for 10% off. It's going to be a rainy, dreary, chilly day today. Good day to just put your feet up and watch sports. Go have yourselves a Sunday. This has been This Day in Philly Sports History. I'm Jim Montgomery, and until next time, I'll see you when I see you.